Uh, it's great. Why don't you grab a seat? It is uh, it's great to have you. Can I just welcome you, especially if, you, if you're new here at True North. Uh, my name's Dean, one of the pastors here, and just want to welcome you. So uh, just great to have you, and, uh, and just uh, please know you're so welcome here. And it's great, great to get together as well. It's kind of still in that early days of the new year as well, and, uh, and great to get to, to spend some time together. We're in a series right now, so every Sunday we spend some time looking at different parts of the Bible and different things, and, uh, and right now we're in a series called The Big Picture. And so uh, as you, you know, you've heard today's Dinosaur Day, every week what we're doing is we're looking at different movies. Movies are one of the places where our culture tells stories and, and shares ideas, and, and sometimes we watch them, we think they're just entertainment, but every movie is ultimately telling a bigger story and, and pointing at a bigger picture. And this series is about saying, you know, we want to look at the stories that we're watching or that people, you may not watch all of them, but that other people are watching. We want to look and see how does uh, the Bible and the messages of the Bible, how does that interact, how does that intersect with the stories and the movies that are, are kind of popular in our culture. And so uh, this week we're looking at Jurassic World. And uh, now with all of these movies, we're not saying we endorse these movies. We're not saying go out and see these movies. Uh, and, but what we are is saying people, these are popular ones people are looking at. And we want to just kind of engage with what they're talking about. Now Jurassic World uh, is, is especially, you know, we got all, all the kids are in here and we've had some fun with dinosaurs. Let me just tell you something, kids, this is not a kid's movie. Uh, it's not fun dinosaurs. Uh, if you want to see, you know, like fun dinosaurs, find a cartoon. And um, so, but this one, and, and so some of you, if you're here, uh, you, you may not have seen it as well. And so what we thought we'd do, because the actual movie Jurassic World has got some scary uh, kind of moments in it. And we also know lots of you haven't seen it. So instead of showing uh, clips from it, we made our own two-minute synopsis of Jurassic World. And to be fair, if you've not seen the movie after this, you probably won't need to. Um, and to be fair, I think you may enjoy this a lot more. And so, uh, so we had a couple of our, our youth pastor, John, and some other uh, youth and young adults this week. Because we're going to be looking at the story, how the Bible speaks the story. So we're going to start off getting on the same page. We have a two-minute synopsis uh, acted out for you of Jurassic World to get us all on the same page. Let's have a look at that. Hello everybody. Today we'll be recapping the movie Jurassic Park. No, Jurassic World. Yeah, that's what I said. No, World, not Park. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Ugh. Jurassic World. Cue the intro. <laughs> Okay, the movie starts with two boys who go to this new theme park called Jurassic World. It's the coolest thing they've ever seen. This is the coolest thing we've ever seen. They get to see all kinds of dinosaurs. Ride them, feed them, and walk with them. Then one day, the scientists behind Jurassic World discover something amazing. A spoon sandwich. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. DNA manipulation. Do you know what this means? We can create a super dinosaur. Super dinosaur! Super dinosaur! Yeah! Yeah! And that is exactly what they did. The dinosaur was amazing. It was called the Indominus Rex. It was half T-Rex and half Raptor. But to put it in perspective, it had Dean's preaching abilities, Reggie's musical abilities, 
And above all, it had pasta feels, strength, and looks. The Indominus Rex was super powerful, so it had to be kept in a super secure enclosure. But one day, when people were looking at the Indominus Rex, they noticed it wasn't in the enclosure. They sent security in to take a look. I'm gonna get security to take a look. We've come to take a look. And then, when they went in to see, little did they know that the dinosaur could camouflage. And then it tickled them all to sleep. On its way out, the Indominus Rex breaks a lot of things, causing all the other dinosaurs to escape. And then he decides to take his afternoon nap. Hurry up, you're taking way too long. Okay, I'll just find the resolution. Ah, and now for the massive fight scene of the movie. The Indominus- What did I just say? I'm sorry, sorry, okay, okay, okay. Okay, they try to defeat the dinosaur, but they can't, so they try and get a T-Rex to do it, but the T-Rex can't, so then a massive fish dinosaur comes out of nowhere, and it's the Indominus Rex! And then the movie ends. Yeah, give those boys a hand. There's nothing, uh... No lengths they won't go to, to uh, reenact the movie for us. And so hopefully that uh, now we're all on the same page and we've grasped kind of the major uh, plot themes and, and outlines of the movie. So the, uh, the thing about this, this movie, you know, it, it is all about this idea, these, these scientists creating this Indominus uh, Rex, you know, a, as you heard there, and this super dinosaur and, and it going crazy and obviously chaos and, and all these things. They got to figure out how they stop it. You know, and the thing about the movie, and we all know, you know, the Jurassic all, there's now five kind of Jurassic movies between the Jurassic Parks and the Jurassic Worlds. And all of these, while on one level, yeah, they're just kind of some good fun and, and excitement was the idea, a little, little scary. But using, you know, making fun stuff with special effects. We can draw dinosaurs. Let's just make movies about it. But there is this other kind of layer, actually, of what drives the movies. And the question that these movies are really trying to, to interact with and wrestle with is really looking at the consequences of human freedom. Uh, they're really looking at, the, the movies all uh, have this one common thread. And you go all the way back to the very first Jurassic Park movie, and you get to see this one thread that runs through all of them, that behind all the kind of chaos and the, the craziness of the movies, they are all kind of still looking at the consequences of human freedom. In fact, there's a scene in the very first Jurassic Park that, that actually kind of sets up. And we've got the, the, the real scene here. This is a little dialogue scene that sets up what these movies are really uh, all about. We'll have a look at that. This is from the very first Jurassic Park. None of these attractions are ready yet, of course, but the park will open with the basic tour you're about to take. And then other rides will come online six or 12 months after that. Absolutely spectacular design, spared no expense. Yeah. We can charge anything we want, 2,000 a day, 10,000 a day, and people will pay it. And then there's the merchandise. Donald, Donald, this park was not built to cater only for the super rich. Everyone in the world has the right to enjoy these animals. Sure, they will. What, we'll have a, a coupon day or something? <laughs> Gee, the lack of humility before nature that's being displayed here um, staggers me. 
Well, thank you, Dr. Malcolm, but I think things are a little bit different than you and I had feared. Yeah, I know. They're a lot worse. Now, wait a second. Now, we haven't even seen the part no, where Donald, 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 let him talk. There's no reason. No, no, I want to hear every viewpoint. I really do. Yeah, yeah. Don't you see the danger, uh, John, inherent uh, in what you're doing here? Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a, a kid that's found his dad's gun. It's hardly appropriate to start hurling generalizations. If I may. Um, I'll tell you the problem with the scientific power that you're, that you're using here. Uh, it didn't require any discipline to attain it. You know, you read what others had done, and you, and you took the next step. You didn't earn the knowledge for yourselves, so you don't take any responsibility for it. You stood on the shoulders of geniuses uh, to accomplish something as fast as you could, and before you even knew what you had, you, you patented it and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox, and now you're selling it. You want to sell it. Well... I, I don't think you're giving us our due credit. Our scientists have done things which nobody's ever done before. Yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. And that's it. That is the question these movies are, are really kind of asking. You know, uh, they are a picture of them. We live in a world where technology continues to increase and increase. And there's different things we can do that would have seemed like, oh, you couldn't only dream of that a generation ago. And, and these movies take it to a whole different plane of kind of fantasy with that. But the question behind it all is, you know, just because you could, have you stopped to think if you should? And the movies explore the consequences of what happens when people are making choices and doing things and just kind of going, hey, we can do it, so let's do it. And then the kind of chaos that ensues and the, and the things on the other side of those choices. And the movie, this is the question we're going to look at today. It's just the challenge of freedom, the challenge of human freedom. Uh, we as people are given an incredible, uh, you know, kind of, we have incredible capacity to make different choices with our lives. And one of the great temptations is sometimes to do things just because we can without maybe engaging or wrestling with whether or not we should. What will be the outcomes of those choices? And the Bible actually speaks to this idea, and it's kind of a, and, and where Paul writes a letter to a church. There's a group of people like us that were following Jesus, worshiping Jesus, and he writes this letter to him, and, he, and he's going to talk to him about this idea of how do you exercise your freedom in this world. You know, we sang about as we came in today, uh, to know Jesus is to know incredible freedom in your life. There's incredible freedom that comes. When Jesus came, he came with a message that was beginning to just fundamentally change everything about how people have thought about religion. For most of human history, how people have thought about religion is, I must do this, do certain things, and not do certain things. And if I do the right things and I don't do the wrong things, then maybe I would be accepted by God. All religions deal with that at some level. Jesus came and he brought a message that actually it's not about what we do, but it's about what God has done. That, that in Jesus, it's no longer, if you become a follower of Jesus and understand his teaching, you come to understand that actually it's, it's no longer about what do I do to get to God, it's about understanding what God has done to come to me. That God was willing to lay everything aside and come that I might know him and know life. And when you begin to understand that, what happens is you also realize you now have great freedom. Because life is no more about trying to earn our way to God. We have an incredible amount of freedom. Now the church at Corinth was experiencing this new freedom in what it meant to know God. And what it meant to know Jesus. 
And they were a church that had lots of different talents, capacities, lots of things they, they could do. God worked through them in, you know, amazing ways. And there was other things where they were kind of off the rails. And Paul wants to help them understand, here is what it looks like to, yes, in Christ you have great freedom. But here is how you should begin to think about that freedom. And he writes these words in uh, 1 Corinthians. He says this. I have the right to do anything you say. Paul says he's quoting them. This is what the church was saying in, at that time. I have the right to do anything. So they were kind of in this space as a church where, you know, people be like, well, I'm not sure if you should do that. And they'd say, you know what, I've got the right to do anything. You know, I'm, I'm free. I don't need to worry about that or what these people think about it or those people think about it. I, I've got the right to do anything. And Paul says to him, but not everything is beneficial. In other words, he's both affirming, yes, you have incredible freedom, but you have to begin to think about this. Not everything you are free to do is actually beneficial. He says, I have the right to do anything. This is what they're saying. He says, yes, but not everything is constructive. And then he gives them this kind of summary for here is how you should actually begin to think about using your freedom. He says, no one should seek their own good. Sure, you may be free to do that, but no one should, as a principle, seek their own good, but the good of others. See, what Paul's going to do right here and what the scriptures start to teach us about is a, is a different kind of life where we move from just asking, can I, to begin to asking, what will be the effect of what I'm going to do here? You can hear in this phrase, I love, I mean, this is how many, you know, a couple thousand years ago now. And, and, but you can hear this echo of our culture as well. I have the right to do anything. And yet Paul says, but I, I get it. Yeah, you can. But have you thought about, is it actually beneficial? Just because you can, but is it actually constructive? He says what you should be thinking about is not your own good, but the good of others. And he's going to start to give a framework for how to exercise the incredible freedom that, that we are entrusted with. And if you're a follower of Christ, what do you do with that freedom? But every single one of us, whatever our faith is, what do you do with the freedom you have? You know what, I think this is such a, uh, an important passage of scripture that's helpful to think about today. Because there's never perhaps been more that we can do than where we live today. You, know, you see in the draft, they're like, you were just thinking, can you do it? You never stop thinking, should you do it? We live in a, like an era of history where we, the stuff we can do is like no other generation has ever experienced. But technology has advanced, you know. Our, our standard of living is so far beyond mere survival. There is so much more, uh, whether we like to admit it, that we have so much more at our disposal than we've ever had. We, we live where there's so much we can do. And one of the most important questions is to begin to say, in the midst of that kind of world and culture, what will we do with what we can do? Can you follow every will and can of that sentence? I'm not sure. But what will you do? You know, one of the, the things where I, I, I think, you know, this is something that we actually have to wrestle with on a daily basis in the world that, that you and I live in, in today. You know, my, my son Levi, he is enjoying a, a, a TV show right now that I used to enjoy when I was a kid. And it's, uh, I don't know if we got any other fans from back in the day, back in the 80s of a, a little show called DuckTales. Does anyone know? Anyone like DuckTales? You know, come on. Woo. Yep. Come on. We got a few. Got a few. And, uh, and there's a new DuckTales, if you didn't know. And, uh, and so my son started watching. I'm like, Levi, this is all, you know, DuckTales, but it's on, I think it's on, on Stan, you know. And so it's the holidays. And so you're like, oh, free trial period. Great. We'll get that. And then. 
forget to ever cancel it and probably be paying the rest of my life on it. But anyway, uh, so we signed up for it so he could watch DuckTales and he's watching it and I'm talking about all things. Well, that's like the one I used to watch, but that's a little different and, and there's all these different things. But the thing I've tried to explain to him most of all, because he's watching them and, and they all, because it, I don't know, if you've never watched it, you know, as far as, they've got some great storylines and plots and, and it leaves you on the edge of your seat. You know, I'm still on the edge of my seat watching it, wondering what's going to happen. And they always finish and it wants to go into another one. And, and I'm having to explain to him because he just wants to watch another one. And guess what? If he wanted to watch the next one, he can do it. It's right there waiting, all of them, in a row. And I have to say to him, and, and now I realize, I don't know what age it starts happening, but I find myself saying to him, when I was a kid, you know, and, uh, and, and, and I'm like, you know, when I was a kid, I'm like, uh, I know, yes, you can. Because I'm like, no, we got it. You got to stop watching. But, but I can, they're there. I can. I'm like, no. I'm like, do you know, when I was a kid, do you understand? When it finished, it finished. <laughs> like, it's done. Like, I want to watch another one. Wait till, you know, tomorrow. Wait till next week. There isn't. Now, what, the reason I say this is because we just live in a world where it's there. Anything you want to do, you can do it. There's virtually, and you apply that across our lives, most of what, like in almost any given moment. Like if I wanted to watch DuckTales, I had to watch it at 4 o'clock after school. That's it. You want to watch it at 5? Sorry, you can't. You know, nowadays, you want to watch your show, whatever your show is. You want to watch it now? You can. Now why is that important? Because we just have to understand in the world we live in. You know, we, uh, many of us, if, you, if you're my age, we grew up in a world where at least there was some, like, built-in constraints to our freedom. Most of those constraints are ripped away today. And that can lead to great good things. But if we are not wise, it can also lead to, yeah, because I can, and we frivolously lose so much of what the potential of life could have held. Now, I love what, what, what because the, 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 the thing that we need, the thing that we actually have to wrestle with if we want, you know, our lives to really reach their full potential and all that God would dream for you and for me, we have to find this new way, and perhaps never more important than today, we have to find a new way of finding a framework for how we choose to exercise or choose to limit our freedom. You know, there's a great scene uh, in Jurassic World and we're going to show it. It's not a scary scene at all. But the two boys, the thing that's happening, those, those two boys, uh, you know, when they go to Jurassic World, it's their, their auntie is the one who basically runs the whole theme park. And so she gives these two boys these VIP wristbands. They can go wherever they want, do whatever they want. And there's a scene where they're rolling and enjoying going through this one particular area. And they have a, a conversation with each other just really quickly about what, what they can and, and can't do. We're going to have a, a quick look at this scene from Jurassic World. Oh, man. Come on. No, we can stay out a couple more minutes. 
but they said it was closed. Aunt Claire gave us special wristbands, right? VIP, dude. Come on. We're fine. And then nothing bad happened. And they, you know, you're like, here they are, ride close, ride close. No, let's just keep going, hey? What do you reckon? So the, 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 obviously the whole movie kind of hinges in lots of ways at this point. And you got these two boys, and, and they end up, they keep going, and then the dinosaurs, and as you saw, obviously, in the, in the reenactment, the, the Indominus is, is getting loose, and everything cuts loose, and now these two boys find themselves having to try and make their way, you know, through the, while all these dinosaurs are chasing them. And here's, here's the thing that, uh, you know, this moment, and this is the thing, it's so easy in life uh, to make a choice in any particular moment through one filter and one filter only, and that's like, can I just, can I get away with this? Can I do this? Is there, am I going to get in trouble for this? You know, and they kind of went, you know what, we got the wristbands. We're via, we know our aunt's in trouble. There's no way. It's not like the police are going to come. It's no matter what, we'll say, hey, this is my auntie. We're free. We're free here to do what we want. They used one choice only, just do we want to do this right here? And it ends up setting off all kinds of, of destructive consequences. And here's the thing in life, it's just so easy. To just go, what do I want to do right now? And when we do that, if that's your only filter and the only grid, you know, if you're a follower of Christ, yeah, sure, there's a degree. Paul said, yep, that's, you know, there's a certain freedom, but you miss something if that's all, all you're looking through. You know, and if you're here in your person, you're like, yeah, I'm not sure I'm, you know, feel a follower of Christ. Can I just tell you something? All of us in life, when we only make our decisions through that one filter of what I want to do in this moment, we, we, we miss something dramatically. You see, what Paul says is here's, here's a filter. Paul's going to give this as here's some wisdom when you're trying to determine how do you exercise your freedom. The challenge of freedom is like it's just that. What do you do with it? And Paul says here's what you should think about. Sure, you have the right to do anything, he says, but ask yourself these two questions. Is it beneficial and is it constructive? Those verses, Paul says, look, yep, yep. Do you have the right to do anything? Yeah, you know, everything is, but is it, before you act, ask yourself, is it beneficial? And is it constructive? See, something that's beneficial is speaking to something that builds you up. Something that makes you kind of, you know, or, or builds someone else up as well. Both of these words speak to constructive. You know, we think of the word construction. This is that idea. Will, will what you're about to do actually build you and the people around you? into the people that you actually want to be? Will it build you into the kind of people that God actually dreams you to be? Sure, you could spend as much time as you want kind of binge watching a show, but what's the benefit of that in your life? What's the benefit of that and who you're trying to be? You know, the interesting thing I think is in, in today's world, you know, there's always like a pendulum that swings when it comes to, to freedom. And especially with, with followers of Jesus through the centuries. You know, you go back, my, my dad's parents were the first uh, people in that family line to become people who believed in Jesus. And when they did, this was in probably the 19, late 50s or late 1960s. Uh, side note, my son yesterday wanted to learn about movie making and early projectors. And I was telling him, trying to explain about, you know, like film projectors, things like this. And he said, oh, I'm going to look up stuff about, you know, like 
old-fashioned, like old-time projectors. And it could be from like 2010. It could be from, <laughs> like, oh, oh, man. Anyway, so there's like, we're missing. So anyway, the, the thing is about history, you realize sometimes, you know, over the years, things happen through history. So my dad's parents, my grandparents were the first. They came to Christ in the 50s. And, and when they came, became believers in Christ, they changed their lifestyle radically and immediately. And two of the things that were a big deal at that time in culture were uh, drinking alcohol and playing cards. So in their family, they immediately, okay, we're followers of Jesus now. There's no more drinking alcohol in any way. And it wasn't like it was a real problem in their lives or anything like that. But just, nope, that's, we shouldn't do that. And we're not going to play cards either. We won't do that. Now, to many people today, they might go, well, that just seems odd. Like, what's behind that? And what? But it was about what was happening in culture at the time. And so what you realize is probably in the past, and this goes culturally, this goes within the church, it's like the pendulum used to sit way over here and this emphasis on don't do these things. There's lots of things that you can't do. Now, one of the things that happens is there's always with a pendulum a bit of a reaction. And it's swung in our day where we live and we've got to, you know, I think just recognize this is the water we swim in. We don't have a list of lots of stuff we shouldn't do. We got very few things we say, no, you can't do it. Like only, and you know, stuff that's clearly morally wrong, of course, that's always been off limits. But in stuff that has to do with how much can you blend into culture, how different should you be, that kind of thing, or what's the limits on freedom. We swing all the way over here. And if you talk to followers of Christ, especially today, the emphasis will always be on, but I don't have to do that. You know, I don't have to go to church. I don't have to read my Bible. I don't have to, I don't have to give, I don't have to have all kinds of things that we can, if you're a follower of Jesus today. Go, I don't have to do that. And it's okay. And I can. I can do all these things. Look at all these you can do. And the pendulum is totally on the other side. But the point that Paul wants us to get, the good news that Jesus brought is that it's actually, it's not about what you can't do. It's not about just look at all you can do. It's actually in Christ. How do you use your freedom to serve others? How do you, instead of going, can I or can't I? Paul says, just forget that. Ask yourself instead, is it beneficial? Is this going to build me up into the kind of person I want to be? Is it going to build up the people around me? Is this constructive? Is this working for the common good of people and the world that we live in? And am I using my incredible freedom not to do what I want to do, but am I using it to serve others? You know, Paul kind of wraps this up in a great picture for us of what it looks like to get a, a true big picture, like a vision for your life that, that goes way beyond can I or can't I, goes beyond even like should I or shouldn't, but just goes, here's a whole different way of making your decision. You see, what happens in life is it, it can be a little bit like what happens to the, all, the, all the people who started Jurassic Park and Jurassic World in the movie. They're driven just kind of by this, these pressures of like, you know what, this will be cool. It'll be, you know, it'll be like kids will want to come, people want to come. We'll make money. It can go on the lunchbox. And, you know, and it keeps going through all the Jurassics. In Jurassic World, they're like, you know what, we need more sponsors. We need bigger dinosaurs. Let's cross a T-Rex and a Velociraptor. Let's keep just bigger, bigger. You know, whenever you have completely unchecked freedom, it just, it has like this momentum of its own that will just carry you forward. And life can be a little bit like that where it's like, 
what will be the outcome? Will I, you know, will this benefit us financially? Will this benefit us, you know, like uh, that'll be the right job or the right school or the right postcode or the right whatever. And it's easy to just get, start making decisions all based on like, yep, can I, can I, can I? But Paul says, here, here is the actual big picture. I want to read these words to you at the end of chapter 10. He says, listen, here's how to think about what you're doing. Don't think can, don't think can't. He says, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. He says, take your, your freedom and all the different stuff you're doing, and instead of just thinking about what you can and can't do and how's it going to benefit you, instead just think about how can all of it bring glory to God? How can it point to who the greatness of who God is? Do not cause anyone to stumble. Don't just think of yourself. Think about how's your choices impacting people around you. These were groups of people at the time where there was conflict, whether Jews or Greeks, the church of God. And Paul says, because here's what I'm doing. He says, even as I try to please everyone in every way. He says, I'm not thinking about me. I'm thinking about how am I affecting others. And he says, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. You see, this is Paul's final picture for us. He says, look, this is how I'm going about my life. I've got all the streams. Sure, I could or I couldn't. But he says, I've got one vision for my life. I want to seek the good of others so that they may be saved. You see, Paul's life was all about how can I tell as many people as possible, as far as possible, as wide as possible about who Jesus is. About his love, about his grace, about how good it is to to find life in Christ, all he's accomplished for us on the cross. Paul says, that's what my whole life is about. And that became his filter, his grid for how will I exercise my freedom. And so Paul was this guy who would be like, you know what? You know, if it's not morally wrong, yeah, I'll act one way with this group of people. I'll act one way with this group of people. I'll do things that are going to make, that are going to not offend them and not offend them. Because I want to I try and serve everyone I can. And as long as it wasn't wrong, he said, I'm going to use my freedom. Not what's comfortable for me. Not what's my preference. Not what's always in his own interest. But for the good of others. You know, that's what it's like to have a vision for your life. You know, and, and I think when you do that, you begin to make very different decisions. You know, I love the thought of, of reflecting on here. You know, we're at the beginning of a new year, and you may be like me, you're thinking about some of the things, what you'll do, choices you'll make, how you'll exercise your freedom, even if you wouldn't have used those words maybe coming in. But how you'll use your, your time this year, how, what you're going to put your talents and energy into this year. You know, one of the, the pictures I love is the wake of our lives. You know, when over the sum, uh, summer kind of holidays here, I've got a friend uh, who has a boat, and you know, that, that is the best boat to have, a friend's boat. And, you know, and, and so uh, we had my wife's parents in town, and so he took us out for a day on the river, and we took him down. And, and one of the things, whenever you're on a boat, you know, you sit out the back, and you look behind, and there's always, always a wake. When that boat goes through the water, there's always an effect. There's ripples, there's water. When you're going fast, the wake gets bigger. When you're going slow and it's still, it gets smaller. There was one time when he was kind of gunning it, and so the wake got huge, and the kids were hanging out the side just to get themselves all wet, and one fell over, and we never went back. No, I'm just kidding. That didn't happen. It was all fine. They were just, just enjoying. It was fun. It was beautiful. The wake's there. There's always a wake. Now, here's the thing. Your life and my life will always leave a wake. Paul's wake and what he was determined he would leave behind was the life of someone who sought the good of others. 
was the life of someone who thought not of his own interest, but of the good of many, as he said. Wanting people to come to know the goodness of God's love. And the best grid, the best filter that you can use. Not can I. Not can't I. Not even just, well, should I or should But what is going to be the impact? What is going to be the weight on the people around me? Is this beneficial? Is it building me up into the kind of person who's going to leave the kind of wake that I want to? Is it constructive? Is it building up the people around me? How is the way you're using your freedom impacting the people around you? What a picture so different from a world that kind of lives off of, well, if you can, then you may as well. We come at it from a whole different angle in the Bible. And we say, not, well, yeah, I can't, but what will be the wake? What will be the impact? Is it beneficial? Is it constructive? You know, I'm going to invite the team to come back up. And, uh, and in a moment, what we're going to do is we're going to come to these tables that you see up here at the front. And you see on them the bread and the cup. There's some bread there and there's a cup of juice. And, you know, I know lots of kids are in here as well and maybe not always in here. This is a, what we do. The reason this bread and these cups are here, it represents Christ, his presence right here with us. The, the bread, it, it's a picture of the body of Christ. He went to the cross, gave his body for us. The cup, it's a picture of his blood. He was a sacrifice. He, he came to wash us free, to cleanse us from all sin, to set us free. To, to lead us into this freedom that he wanted for us. And when we come to the table, it's a recognition and we say, you know what, my, my faith, my trust, my hope is no longer in me. It's no longer that I'm going to get it all right. I'm saying, you know what, Christ's body, his blood, what he has done, that's for me. The forgiveness that came at the cross, I need that in my life. When I eat that bread and when I drink that cup, I'm saying, Lord, I know I need you. Thank you for what you've done for me. And one of the, the beautiful things about communion is when Paul writes to this, we realize this. This is Christ himself was putting this very uh, reality we've spoken about today into practice. In Philippians 2, he puts it this way. He says that, you know, that our mindset should be the same as Christ Jesus. Because this is what he did. Who being in very nature God. Jesus was fully God. But he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He didn't think, you know what, because I'm God, I'm, I'm forget people and I'm just going to stay up here in heaven. But rather it said he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even to death on a cross. This is who Jesus is. He's the one who was willing to not use his freedom to his own advantage, but to freely lay his life down for us. When we take communion, we say, thank you. My faith and my hope and my trust is in you. And when we take it in and we take in that bread and that cup, it's also a way of saying, and Lord, would you please now strengthen me. You know, empower me to be able to go and do likewise, to live a life that doesn't just think about how can I use my freedom for me, but how can I lay my life down for others. Now I invite you to stand. And in just a few moments while we sing, 
Uh, you're going to be free to just come forward. And if you today say, you know what, Lord, my hope is in you, Jesus. I want to follow you. And I pray you'd lead me this year. Then a, a simple act that you can take is to come and to tear off a piece of bread, grab a cup. You can take it back to your seat. And as you eat it and as you drink it, it is a physical declaration that my faith is in Christ. None of us are perfect. None of us get it right all the time. But in Christ, we can know forgiveness, we can know freedom, and he wants to empower us to live more and more the life he dreams for us. So even as you take it today, maybe you just want to pray this simple prayer. Jesus, would you show me this year how I can use my freedom to serve others? Show me where there's things I'm thinking I can do that maybe you would say to me, Lord, they're not beneficial. Lord, show me. There's things that I'm doing that you'd say, yeah, you can, but that's not constructive. Maybe there'll be something he puts his finger on in your life today and you just be able to say to him, Lord, would you, would you help me to choose differently? To choose how I can use my freedom to serve others, to follow you, my example, Jesus. I want to pray for us and then when you're ready, you can come forward. You can tear some bread, grab a cup and take it back to your seat. You can eat it and drink it when you're ready. Lord, in this moment, we recognize your presence here with us. Lord, we thank you that you, you were willing to take the very nature of a servant. To lay everything aside for, on our behalf. We thank you for being willing to go even to the cross. And we honor you as, as the great mighty king that you are. We pray that even as we take the bread and the cup, Lord, you would bring forgiveness and cleansing to each one of our lives. And you'd empower us to live more and more the lives you dream for us, that we might leave that wake that you desire in each of our lives. We thank you today. Amen.